The perpetual business model was the very definition of that difference, right? The day a customer signs a contract, there couldn't be a bigger difference. A big perpetual contract is the happiest day in the world for the software vendor and the sales team, but the customer at that point has achieved exactly zero. So customer success in a proper subscription model is completely vital. And I'm sure, you know, spoken about a lot by you guys and everybody, but when we're talking about customer success here, I'm not just talking about hiring CSMs, but the, the change in mentality for everybody. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer Podcast Series. I'm Adam Joseph, your host and the regional VP of customer success at Gainsight. So as we all know, introducing customer success into any business is never taken lightly. It not only needs the right processes and workflows, individuals and leaders, specialist technologies such as Gainsight, but moreover, it really needs a shift in mindset to center the whole business around the customer. But when that business is a huge enterprise company, the rate of difficulty is increased further as you try and affect change across multiple functions, levels, and even product portfolios. And one of the best examples of how I've seen this done is at Software AG, company that we're lucky to have as a Gainsight customer, one of the biggest software businesses in Europe with 10,000 enterprise customers in over 70 countries and almost 5,000 employees. And the change was so successful that Andrew Cutler, who's the Vice President of Strategy, Transformation and Customer Success, recently won the Transformational Leader of the Year Award at the recent Pulse Everywhere conference. And I'm delighted to say that Andrew is joining us today on the pod to talk about this transformative change, the Software AG, some of the lessons learned as a result, um, and share it with us. So, Andrew, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thanks very much, Adam. I wouldn't mind a ramp up and a welcome like that every morning, actually, with all of that praise. So maybe we should record that and play it back every day for me. You can use it to whatever manner you want. <laughs> but it's great to have you here. We were just saying before the pod, actually, that you're an Aussie living in the Bay Area. Your wife's a Kiwi, so you come from quite a multinational background at the moment. Yes, exactly. My kids are a little confused. They know the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag through the elementary school here, and they're always dividing between whether they say that they're Australian or from New Zealand. So it's definitely an interesting situation for them. So, you know, we were just thinking actually at the Olympics, who were they rooting for? So was there a particular standout point for you where either an Aussie, a Kiwi or, a, or someone from the States did something that really inspired you? I must admit, I've been watching some of the Paralympics at the moment. And uh, I was watching the table tennis and seeing people, there was someone who held the bat in their mouth. There was a guy who had one leg. I mean, you couldn't foul but to be inspired. Was there any kind of standout moments to you across the uh, Olympics that happened recently? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely lots of inspirational stories like that. I guess uh, as an Aussie, I'm obligated to watch all of the swimming events in particular at the Olympics, where, as everybody knows, incredibly overproud about that aspect of us at the Olympics. So I watched a lot of that. I did notice that whenever there was an American in the race, my kids were going for them, even if there was an Australian or a Kiwi. So I guess that's another example where they are adopting their current location and seeing the most out of it. But yeah, 
yeah, I really enjoyed watching the swimming. I was a bit of a, a swimmer when I was younger. So it's always fascinating to see the results of people who stay so dedicated to something and then what they can achieve as a result of it, no matter yeah. what their uh, situation is. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement for anyone to even make an Olympic squad, let alone you know the win a medal. It's just you can't fail to be inspired. Well, mm-hmm. look, I'm, I'm really grateful for, for you joining me today. Do you want to just give a bit of a background into yourself, your role and, and soft software AG as a whole? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess we've already covered the fact that I'm an Aussie living in the Bay Area. So my role at Software AG at the moment focuses around vice president of customer success. But the strategy and transformation part is actually the kind of way that I fell into customer success. So three years ago now, we had Sanjay Brahmawa join us as a new CEO. He kicked off a transformation project codenamed Helix at the time. And I played a bit of a role in Helix, particularly in 2019 and 2020 for the go-to-market strategy and transformation topics, things like our new pricing and packaging models uh, for subscription, changes to the go-to-market. And obviously, customer success is a big part of that change. So while I was designing and working with various parts of the business on that change and the program of work that we had to do to shift our company from perpetual license focus to subscription was customer success. So I kind of transitioned in 2020 from, I suppose, what you'd say is the design to actually taking the budget plan and executing on it. So now I spend a lot of time rolling out customer success and running that here at Software AG. So that's incredible. I mean, you spoke about moving from a perpetual license business to a subscription one. That's not something to be undertaken lightly. How important has customer success been to that process? Well, I think the adage right in a subscription business model, if you truly go there properly, by the way, if you just say I'm changing my contracts now and a customer can now have a a term license instead of a perpetual one, you could, in theory, call that subscription. But I think if you do it properly and you are more cloud first, you are much more in tune with customer's choice, you cannot then in the business model accept too much of a variance between what your goals are as a company commercially and what your customers are getting from the software. The perpetual business model was the very definition of that difference, right? The day a customer signs a contract, there couldn't be a bigger difference. A big perpetual contract is the happiest day in the world for the software vendor and the sales team, but the customer at that point has achieved exactly zero. So customer success in a proper subscription model is completely vital. And I'm sure, you know, spoken about a lot by you guys and everybody. But when we're talking about customer success here, I'm not just talking about hiring CSMs, but the the change in mentality for everybody. I mean, it's really interesting, the kind of process that we've gone through. And we see this a lot, you know, the shift from perset from perpetual, where all of the risk is with the customer to a subscription where that risk is much more even. And I'm actually seeing now a shift that you've got outcome-based models, whereby if we're going to talk the talk during the, the sales process about some of the outcomes that customers can achieve, actually, the, the financial model being, okay, well, we will pay you when we've reached those outcomes. So it, we're in a really interesting place that the whole world in both in B2B and B2C seems to be moving to a subscription model, even buying your coffee by subscription now or the ink in your printer. So it, it's really fascinating to see. And of course, it's not only the move from perpetual to subscription, but on-prem to the cloud. So is that another area where Software AG is taking a lot of their on-prem business and trying to move it to the cloud? Or you've got some new cloud-based products that are coming out that customers success is really a big part in in helping to evolve. Yep. 
So actually, I'll start with the last part of what you said in terms of customer success playing a, a large part in how it evolves. Because I've been a big proponent while I've been selling the case inside Software AG for rolling out, let's say, customer success managers and increased investments in customer success, that it's directly tied to the business model shift. Actually, would not really need it if we weren't doing things like cloud and all of this stuff properly, because it's it's much it's much more essential in those business models. But yes, for us at Software AG, we have a lot of growth in cloud products. We have a wide variety of customers' rights. We deal with some of the largest enterprise and government organizations in the world. So sometimes that means that we have dedicated clouds and managed service offerings that go along with our, you know, easier to grasp public cloud. So it's a real interesting mix of cloud and SaaS that we're moving towards, along with our belief that hybrid is also still an element of the future. In fact, if I, you know, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine, uh, not that this is about talking about competitors, but there are certainly a lot of competitors that we have in the platform space that claim to be cloud. But when you dig below the surface in the marketing, they actually end up having a a lot of on-premise still to solve customers' hybrid solutions. So we're really big on, yes, pushing the cloud and, and having that best of breed offering, but but also the hybrid element to it. One of the things that I'd love to get some of the learnings from is that you had to make the case for customer success at Software AG. And many people listening to this will be equally in that position to either introduce it or help it scale further. So obviously, you know, a business the size of Software AG, you would have had to have worked with multiple stakeholders across the business for to kind of make that mindset and that shift change. But what advice might you have for others who are trying to equally make the case to either grow customer success to make it more than it is or even introduce it? What, what do you think is important in terms of some of the metrics that you shared or how you got people on side and kind of all aligned around the customer success methodology? I think there's a real mix in the techniques that I found useful. And as with everything, you need to reach people where they are. Some people react to different things. So for example, you cannot get away without demonstrating how this, let's focus on just hiring customer success managers, right? Or adding that to a business. You need to be able to show what is the incremental impact to some kind of financial metric. Is your team going to affect net retention? Because now that customers will not be unguided through their adoption journey, they can achieve value faster and therefore expansions come more often. And how do you quantify that or, you know, some kind of impact on churn. So that that definitely is one area you need to wrap your head around. But I also found some shortcuts for anyone like us that's transitioning to this, we might as well take advantage of the fact that other companies have already done this before. So I will say, actually, this is one reason that we've been really happy to partner with Gainsight because you gave us the shortcut to tap into the community and the network. So yes, I have to build the case, but I can also back that up by saying, hey, look, we could analyze the minutia of a case for how many CSMs we should hire. But guess what? These other five companies that are just like us, they have X CSMs and this is the way they're structured today. So I think there's an element of I don't know, setting the baseline expectation and then backing that up with some some hard numbers and not just relying on one or the other. I think that's a great point. And I think those CS leaders who are obsessed with metrics under that whole kind of ethos of you, you can't manage what you can't measure is a super important one. So you can't just be, I think it's a case of blending the objective and subject together and really talking about how customer success can impact the bottom line. And given the, is it what now, two years into Project Helix or maybe just a little bit more as you kind of look back, are there any kind of key learnings or things you, or have you 
had a need to repivot. Really interested for your thoughts in terms of where we are today and, and indeed how that's maybe changed your, your thinking for what might become in the future. I guess one thing that isn't just from me, but from Sanjay and the whole team, I think we realized, let's say last year was you can really get caught up in doing too much at once. An organization only has a certain amount of capacity to digest a certain amount of change. And so I think in the beginning, everybody did a fantastic job of energizing the whole company around this initiative. And it resulted in really positive behavior, which was you saw all sorts of people waking up almost, right? And saying, hey, right, finally, there's a a transformation happening here. All of these ideas that I had about, I don't know, changing support, increasing developer engagement, better sales processes. Everybody was waking up and suggesting all of these and we had projects popping up everywhere. So I think one good learning was Software AG formed in the very early days, the concept of a transformation office. And sometimes those kind of roles, people can glaze over a little bit and say, what on earth does that do? But when you're going through something like this, it was incredibly valuable because they could see this, they're stepping back and looking at everything going on and making sure that people aren't overlapping, making sure that people aren't doing too much and coordinating that from the central. So I think that's probably one big learning that I would say from the Helix point of view. But just in terms of like where we're at, actually in the outcome of transitioning customers to subscription and changing our business, I would say we're we're on all fronts pretty far ahead of where we thought we would be right now. We did a lot of comparison and looking at other companies that had made this shift before and you see all sorts of things like, oh, it took seven years, 10 years, all these, but we're uh, two and a half years or so in, we're feeling pretty happy about how fast things have moved along. Yeah, I mean, from obviously looking and working with Software AG so closely, it, I think it's been really inspirational, actually, how a business the size of Software AG has really embraced the change. And as a reference, we work together closely and, and GameSite's an important part of your tech stack. So how important do you think just generally enabling your team from a, a customer success perspective and giving them the tools that they need to be successful? How important has that been, do you think, to the rate of speed that you've been able to get you so far ahead on this big transformation? It's been critically important. I think a big milestone we reached just recently, actually, is that our ability to help our customers with the adoption data that they want to see in our Aris business line has reached full coverage of our cloud customers. So after they upgrade to the latest version of our Aris cloud software, we will now be able to work with them in helping show their progress of adoption as they roll out this tool. Because a a tool like Aris, which is business line for business process management, process analysis, process mining, you really want to know how many organizations are using those processes and modeling them and how fast this is a certain business unit rolling out the content. And so that all sounds great. And actually to uh, many software vendors out there, they'd say, okay, that's fine. But think about where Aris was just a couple of years ago in the perpetual model. We would, and actually let's rewind even further. I'm not that old, but technology moves so fast that I'm technology years pretty old, I guess. There was a time when I was in the early stages of my career that Aris was still given to customers on a DVD. And you know nothing about what's going on with that customer unless you go in and talk to them and hassle them for what's going on. We've now gone from that kind of world of software out there and who knows what's happening to full coverage of our cloud. And it's what brings the efficiency to rolling out customer success. 
because now if I had to hire CSMs to look after customers who have absolutely no insight into usage data and adoption, it would be a very expensive exercise because each of those CSMs would need to spend so much time manually working through all that data. And so that's been a critical part of what we're doing. And the cool thing that I find for us partnering with Gainsight is that we get to kind of merge both our technology and Gainsight together as well. So we're obviously a multi-product company. One of our business lines is data and integration and APIs. So as you would know, feeding Gainsight with as many data sources and systems as possible is also really important. So we've enjoyed using some of our own technology to speed that up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, particularly when you look at product adoption telemetry data, because it, it kind of manifests itself in so many ways, not just understanding what the raw data is telling you, but what action you want to take as a result and then standardizing that into playbooks. So if you're seeing, for example, that usage has fallen off a cliff, you need to have a playbook about how, you know, unfortunately it happens, could be for seasonal reasons or contacts have left, but you need to know, you need to have a systematic way of, of responding to that. It's going to play an important part on a health scorecard um, that obviously is going to be shown to the entire business. So having that data is critical, reacting to it and making sure you've got a standardized way of doing it is even just as important. And as you think about product-led customer success, which has been another huge trend that I've seen and almost having your own product stand up and be a digital CSM in its own right and engaging with customers through your software and making those implementation and people getting used to using your software all the way through to finding some of the critical functionality. As Software AG has been on this kind of huge transformation, do you also see a big place for product-led customer success and enabling your customers to get value directly by engaging your software as opposed to always needing to confer with a CSM or through your education team as well? A hundred percent. So in the early days of the transformation, and I was uh, talking to everybody about customer success. And the fascinating thing about a company that has four major business lines like us, so that's already four matrix points of people who want something. And then you have all the usual other teams. So sales wants certain things out of customer success, support, product, everybody. One of the teams who came to me fairly early on and asked me, when are we going to have CSMs on free trials? So I initially pushed back on that because obviously we were starting small and we wanted to, again, to my point earlier, work where the, the impact was biggest. And it was a little hard to explain to the product teams in the early days why we would not go and assign CSMs to high volume free trials and converting them into paid customers. But it was such a hard thing to say no to because when you're saying no to something that is an important part of the land and expand growth model, you can't say this isn't important, so I'm not going to do it. And I think the realization over the last year of the fact that through product-led customer success and a partnership between the teams, we actually don't need heavy-duty CSM engagement on free trials because we can use things like PX and in-app guidance to help convert those. And at a minimum, we would at least then be able to use that data to do targeted customer success engagement. So I'll give you a specific example of that. In our um, early stage onboarding of our basic cloud customers in one of our product lines, we suggest an onboarding webinar for those customers. And that is run by customer success, but it's a cohort bi-weekly or monthly call that people can join. And that's a far lower cost and even a better experience for the customer because that's what they want. As you said before, they don't necessarily want to deal with a heavy duty person every time for that engagement. So yes, that is just one example, I think, of product-led customer success. There's a whole bunch of other things as well, but it's something that comes to mind recently. 
Yeah, well, that's a great thing. And as we mentioned earlier, the speed of change is only increasing. And so how customer success adapts, how the business adapts, how your products adapt is going to be a really interesting journey to follow. Andrew, thank you so much. I continue to be inspired by the work that you, your teams and Software AG more broadly are doing. And hopefully everyone listening today has has taken something from it. And you're not so old. I also remember the days of software being sent out by by (laughs) Sikron. It seems like it was with the dinosaurs, but I'm probably thinking, I mean, my first job 25 years ago, they just left the CD-ROM and gone online. So the time, they've gone quickly. Listen, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it too. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to StudioPodSF.com.